diligently are seeking him i believe that and i praise the lord for that what an opportunity and we forget that we take it for granted i've grown up in in a christian home and i've been in church most of my life and i've read the bible through many times and we tend to take it for granted that wow what a privilege what an awesome opportunity he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him so what motivated the disciples to say to jesus in luke chapter 11 verse 1 when which gives us the theme of our lesson lord teach us to pray what what motivated that it was the prayer life of the lord jesus that they were observing it was what they were watching and what they were observing by watching him pray if you and i would pray for people and situations that we know need the intervention of the almighty we would encourage other people to do the same again it says in verse 8 of first timothy 2 that we pray everywhere that i will therefore that men pray everywhere praying for people praying for situations there's just a lot of situations where there is no time to go into a building or to get him on our knees or to even close our eyes necessarily a lot of times there just isn't time for that we just have to trust that god wants us to talk to him right now wherever we are and that's just the way it is we can talk to him you know i'm not allowed to talk to anyone while i'm driving a school bus that's a big no-no cdl license you're not supposed to be on the phone while you're while you're driving uh and uh I don't have Bluetooth and don't care to, um, and it wouldn't make any sense anyway because I couldn't hear the person on the other end of the line with all the kids uh, behind me. Uh, and it just would be not a, it's just wrong. However, I have talked to God while I've been driving the school bus, and that's a good thing. And, and I can talk to him, and I know he's hearing, even if I'm not verbally saying it out of my lips, he's hearing what I'm thinking and praying in my mind. I, I think of a person, when I think of this, to help us get the idea here. Because so, so many times we think of prayer as bow your heads, close your eyes, and there's nothing wrong with that. The whole idea, as we go to Nehemiah, the whole idea of bowing your head and closing your eyes is respect and concentration uh, to teach us to, to recognize that we're talking to God here, and it's a lot easier with our eyes closed and our heads bowed in, in, a, in a way of, of respect but more importantly, that we're just concentrating on who we're talking to. Quickly, I just want to share with you this story in Nehemiah, where Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. And um, it, it, he, he's serving the king in, and giving the king something to drink. And um, in verse number, uh, chapter 2, in verse number two the king notices that he's sad because in chapter one nehemiah gets the report he's been in in babylon all this time and and uh persia and nehemiah has been living there as one of the exiled from from jerusalem from uh the the jewish nation had been uh exiled into babylon and so nehemiah hears this report after so many years of how that jerusalem is just torn down and broken down and it's just kind of a ghost town and and uh, it's not what it used to be and so he's sad well he's not supposed to be sad when he goes in to, to give the, the, the cup of beverage to the king and the queen he's supposed to look happy uh, if he looks sad that's disturbing uh, and they don't like that and uh, so it's, it's really a bad thing for him to look uh, sad um, 
and it says in verse 1, I had not been before time sad in his presence. Verse 2, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was sore afraid. Oh no, now the king has noticed that I am not happy. And, and, and said unto the king, I was sore afraid, and said unto the king, verse 3, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. I, I have no choice but to be sad when I hear the report of what's going on back in Jerusalem. Verse 4, Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? The king said, Well, what do you want? What would you like to do about that? And the middle of verse 4, it says, So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king. Now, I, I just want to show you real quick here. Notice how he was doing two things at once. I don't believe that when the king said, well, well then what would you like? I, I don't believe that Nehemiah did that. I believe that Nehemiah stood there, looked right at the king, and sent a prayer to heaven while he's talking to the king. And you can do that. Oh, Lord, please help me to answer this question right. Uh, because you don't have, the, the wonderful thing is, you don't have to explain to God the details. God heard that whole conversation. God knew it was happening. So it's really just, Lord, help me. That's all, that's all you got to do. I mean, that's, that's, I, it doesn't say how long the prayer was. He just he fired off a mental prayer to heaven while he kept talking to the king. That's the point I'm making. Now, that's not the only kind of praying. I mean, when we have time, then we certainly can get down on our knees, and we certainly can pray uh, in the closet, as it says, and close our eyes and, and bow our heads, so to speak, and to talk and communicate much longer. But there is an example where Nehemiah was doing what we're supposed to do, pray everywhere. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Never stop. It's just a constant communication with the Lord. It ought to be that way. And uh, there are times we have a song that we sing, I Believe, on Wednesday nights with the kids, and there's a picture of a boy, and he's flying off of the skateboard. It looks like it's going to be a big ouch. And it says, to help in time of need, talking about believing God. And there is a time of need, and kids can relate to that because he's flying through the air, and it looks like he's about to have a bad accident. Uh, if you're a Christian young man, you can be praying as you're flying through the air to help in time of need. Uh, there's just all kinds of ways that we need to real realize praying everywhere is just something we can do. If you're a deer hunter and you're not a good shot, praying everywhere is something you can do. Uh, wherever it might be, whatever it might be doing. If you've made a really dumb choice and you are about to get yourself into a jam, praying everywhere and uh, asking God for help and praying in situations. So we need to recognize that it is possible and it is expected for us to learn to pray everywhere and to pray for all situations. Uh, last summer, I was cutting firewood and I uh, was with someone that was helping me and they said, hey, there's some dead standing, and there was some good dead standing wood, and uh, they said, we, we've got a bobcat, we'll help, you know, we'll help, you know, load it up or whatever, and and, um, and so uh, there was this one tree, and it was real close to a fence, and the fence was barbed wire fence, and there was, I think it was probably private land on the other side, it was on forest on my side, uh, and trying to size it up right, and I'm certainly not any sawyer expert of any kind, and uh, so I was doing my best to saw it so that it would fall this way, and uh, it, it wasn't falling this way, and I was and I was cutting more, and it wasn't, and it was just, and what was happening is, is the breeze was blowing towards the fence, 
and it was like, oh. And so now my son and I and the man that was with us were standing there, and, and I'm praying, Lord, I've really made a dumb choice here. I've got this huge, heavy tree, you know, just, just hanging on by a, a few inches of wood, and I don't know exactly what to do. But God helped, and uh, I was afraid I was going to ruin the fence or, or do whatever, and I didn't want the tree to be on the private land, and uh, and blah blah blah, and uh, and I certainly didn't want anyone to get get hurt. So my son and my nephew and I were there, and the man, and the man who I think knows a lot more than I was sitting in the back going. He drove up in the middle of this. He was sitting back going, I didn't do this. I could just see the look on his face. I don't have any suggestions for you, <laughs> and so uh, I was just praying and and so then i i cut a little bit more and and then pow and of course as soon as it went pow you know i threw my chainsaw and ran as fast as i could in what i thought was the right direction because uh, i've seen those videos you know they scare you half to death but anyhow god allowed that tree to twist a little bit and to fall against the next tree and the branches kind of held it and then it was able to be maneuvered and it didn't fall across and destroy the it didn't land in the in the private land and uh, you might think, big deal, that's just a silly story. But my knees were knocking that morning. And I was thankful that God helped me from becoming a casualty and a story in the newspaper. Um, and you know what? We get ourselves in situations like that. We, we do dumb things. One time my wife and I decided it would be a good idea to burn the weeds around our garden. Um, have you ever started 14 acres on fire? I know there's people in this room that have. And you're, you're smarter than I am. But I know you have done it too. And, uh, and and the, the worst part it was is we hauled our water. We didn't have a well. And uh, I'm yelling all kinds of whatever to my wife, go get the water truck. And she's running at 100 miles an hour. And, and, uh, and God spared us from starting 14 acres on fire uh, and a lot more. And, and yet I realized that there are some things where, you know, prayer is just all you got. And it's really all you need. Maybe sometimes God allows us to get to those moments to realize, you know what, praying would have been a better idea if we'd have done that first instead of after the fact. And uh, learning to pray and to pray everywhere. And don't be so proud as we all are to just pray. Are you concerned about someone? The Lord Jesus promised, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it, John 14, 14. It doesn't mean if you just say his name, boom, he's going to do it but rather in his will, as we talked about, like his signature on the check in his name, according to his will. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16, I think it was Janie that quoted that one. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. <clears throat> Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. It's just good to pray and talk to the Lord about each other and to be encouraged and be, and also to just pray and encourage one another, even if you're not telling them you're praying for them. But it's just good to pray for one another. And then notice Colossians 4.12. This is really an interesting verse. Colossians 4.12, this, this guy named Epaphras, don't know a lot about Epaphras, but he was one of Paul's helpers, one of the men that Paul counted on. And it says, verse 12 of Colossians 4, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, 
always laboring fervently for you in prayers. You know, prayer is work, and that's why we don't do it. Laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Prayer takes time. Prayer requires our focus, and prayer is something we don't like to do. There is a labor involved with it. The Apostle Paul encouraged his fellow believers by, by saying the, that the way we labor with you is by praying for you. There are friends of ours that aren't here. They don't necessarily, they're not a member of this church. They come through like Brother Bill and others, but they pray for us. And we need to be praying for them. And, and, and just when someone comes to your mind, you know, you know what, I, I've, I've tried to remember this. If someone comes to my mind, it's probably because I need to pray about them. There might be a reason why God's brought that person in my mind. And, and why would I think about them all of a sudden? Well, maybe I just need to pray for them and, and, uh, and to just give thanks to God for them and pray for them. Um, that is a blessing. So pray everywhere at all times. And then it says, lifting up holy hands, Second Chronicles. We'll go there, but our, our passage in First Timothy 2, lifting up holy hands. And why does it say that? Well, Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter 6 2 Chronicles 6 and this is Solomon and Solomon is praying as they're dedicating the temple this is also the same passage where he says that famous verse if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray that's chapter 7 but chapter 6 verse 28 this is Solomon and here's what he's saying concerning the people if there be a dearth in the land, if there be a pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be, when then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel, when every one shall know his own sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and render unto every man according to all his ways whose heart thou knowest for thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men speaking of Nehemiah there's another man that was also in Babylon and that was Daniel and the Bible says according to what Solomon said if you keep reading the whole passage Solomon said if they're captive and they're not home and they can't pray in the temple than that they would pray towards the temple. And that's why Daniel would open his window and pray towards Jerusalem. <clears throat> the idea here, though, is lifting up holy hands. And he mentions that, that spread forth his hands in this house in verse number 29. Why does it mention that? Well, because it's the idea here of this. The, I think this is really the idea. I'm not saying you have to do this in order to pray, just like I said about getting on your knees. I do think it's times. there are times, though, and certainly in your heart, this is, should be what you're doing. Because what this means is, is my hands are empty and I need help. I, I don't have, you know, wh what do we do when we don't know what to do? We go like this. And, and this is how we should be praying, this attitude of prayer. And uh, it ought not be some kind of a show but we ought to be praying with the idea that I, I need help. But notice it says holy hands. In Psalms it says, who can, who can stand before God? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. So if these hands have been doing things they ought not be doing, 
they need to get cleaned up out of respect and out of honor to the Lord. But lifting up holy hands, most of us pray by bowing our heads and folding our hands. But we see King Solomon mentions in Second Chronicles 6, one would spread forth his hands in this house. The Apostle Paul encouraged lifting up holy hands in Second Timothy or chapter 2, first Timothy, was it first, second, excuse me, first Timothy chapter 2, the idea of lifting up holy hands to the Lord. This signifies the heart's cry, God, I know you hear and I believe you, and I need things put in my hands that can only come from you, and I am trusting you lifting up holy hands. So the idea here is that we are without the resources, and we need you to place the resources in our hands, little children. I like sitting with this little cute little girl over here, you know, and if she wants something, she has to hold out her hand. She doesn't have it, but she would like to have it. And uh, we need to be children when it comes to prayer. We need to pray like children. Uh, this is this is why I mentioned Larry a little while ago. It was simple, but it was exactly what God wants, childlike faith, that we just pray in simplicity, not to, to, to try to impress anyone else, but to simply pray and dependence toward our, our Father. So praying everywhere, lifting up holy hands, and then without wrath and doubting. First Timothy again, chapter 2, and verse 8. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, And I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting. Some of us get so angry and upset about something that we cannot pray. Boy, I know what that's like. You're so frustrated and angry that you don't want to talk to God. Well, there's a clue. There's a clue right there that you aren't right if you can't talk to God. You're frustrated. You're upset. Think about Peter, Apostle Peter, after he had made a fool of himself, denied Christ, didn't want to probably talk to anybody about God or talk to God and just go out and go fishing. Um, some of us get so angry and upset about something we cannot pray. When we allow ourselves to become troubled emotionally, we cannot think to talk to God properly. And so we have to go to God when we don't want to. Um, when your child is upset, as much as they don't, they're angry, and maybe they don't want to talk about it, they need to. And they need to talk to their parent about it. They need to talk to their Heavenly Father. And they need to just say it. And, and, and so there's times where this isn't great praying, but it is praying where I've said, Lord, I'm just mad. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm bitter. It's not fair. Don't don't say all that to somebody else. Say it to him. Talk to him and get it out and let him deal with you about that and talk with you about it. God gives a quiet, peaceable, and calm life to those who trust him. Remember it says in verse 2 that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. I do believe that those of us who who spout off to somebody regret it later as opposed to when we just spout off to God and we, we say, God, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm, it, it's whatever it might be. There's, time, there's times in the Bible, uh, I think it was Jeremiah that said, Lord, you deceived me. I feel tricked. They don't want to listen. But he, but he talked to God about it. He was frustrated, but he talked to God. And we need to recognize that. So let's consider the parable given by our Lord in Luke 18. This is the whole theme of this lesson 
Lord teach us to pray. And back in Luke 18, you've got you've got verse one where it says, uh, "Lord teach us to pray. Men ought always to pray, and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to faint." And then one through eight, we have a story here, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. That would represent God himself, who had no boss. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not, for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. What in the world is that story about? Lord said in verse 6, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge? God is just compared to the unjust judge. God is just. Shall not God avenge his own elect with cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? In other words, are you going to stop? Are you going to quit? Are you going to be like this widow woman who had to have an answer who had to have her needs met, and she wouldn't stop pestering the one who could do it. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. And so don't don't doubt. Don't be angry, and don't be doubtful. If we do not pray, we will faint. And so we ought to pray about everything. Our thoughts ought to be about the Lord and what He can do. Ask the Lord to help you live in the spirit of prayer, like Nehemiah, just on the spot praying, in the spirit of prayer at all times. And I do believe that's the right way to pray. Years ago, a man named John R. Rice, who wrote a book on prayer, he was known to be a prayer, praying person, was asked to pray in public. And so John R. Rice came up to the podium, and this is what he said. When he came up to the podium, he said, And also, Lord, please help. He had already been praying, and he just opened up the volume for everybody else to hear it. That's that's the idea here, is that we just should always be praying and and, uh, you know, I've been proud and, and self-conscious and, and self-centered uh, uh, many times. And when I was younger, uh, I remember my dad, who is who who has no self-awareness in a lot of ways and doesn't care what everybody's thinking because he's just that kind of a personality uh, and, and also has kind of bad hearing, especially as he gets older. Uh, he'll pray in, in the restaurant before we eat. And everybody in the room is praying with him, whether they wanted to or not, because that's just how loud he is. And when I was when I was younger, it was like, oh, but but you know what? Wait a minute. Do you believe God or not? Do you trust Him? And does it matter what everybody else, if everyone else hears you talking to your heavenly Father? So we got to pray about everything. Our thoughts ought to be about the Lord and what He can do. Ask the Lord to help you live in the spirit of prayer. The only way to the truth in the Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the truth. These truths about God prompt us to pray, and you you may not lift up your hands visibly, but you can lift up your heart with your hands to God in your heart. Do it without wrath. Trust God to hear you without doubt, and that He will, in His way, at His in His own answer, answer your prayer. So praying everywhere with holy hands and no wrath and doubting. All right, let's close in prayer today. Lord, we do thank you for for our blessings and thank you for opportunity that we have to come before your 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 presence and to and to talk to you and to communicate with you it's it's 
really, if we saw you right now, we'd be blown away that you would even allow us to talk to you because you're holy. So, Lord, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have to come boldly. And so help us to understand it and to use it correctly. And to pray, to pray even for our enemies, for people who might not necessarily be doing very nice things or good things, and, and yet that we would learn to pray for them as you'd have us to pray. And help us to be praying with wisdom, but most importantly,